This is The Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manette. A special edition of The Sport Market on a day in which the Vancouver Canucks four-game win streak is snuffed out by the Minnesota Wild in OT. So the Canucks come away with a point, but the expectation management, they've already cast their lot there, and fans are expecting them to win every game. And when's the last time that you can say that? I'm not saying that that's a realistic expectation, because that's just not the way an 82-game National Hockey League schedule works. But from a Canucks fan point of view, they've seen this most recent homestand against tough opponents. They've seen the four straight wins going into Minnesota. Comeback that brought them back to 5-5 before they blew the opportunity of at least protecting one point and lost 6-5 to those New Jersey Devils in the in the Hughes Bowl at Rogers Arena. But the expectation management is so fascinating from a fan engagement point of view. And when the fans' orientation is, we think we can win every game, that creates a lot of good stuff in the marketplace in terms of people wearing jerseys, people talking Canucks. And I can't even tell you how different a place the fall of 2023 is compared to the fall of 2022, where people were talking about the franchise for all the wrong reasons. And when you look at this team, there's a lot to like about it. And it's a well-balanced team. It's not riding just on goaltending, although Thatcher Demko is such an important part of the Canucks. It's not riding just on the snipers, the goal scorers, although they've been synonymous with the success so far of the team. It's not about special teams, just about special teams. It's really a unique blend of all those things. And I will build on what John Festinger mentioned in our last hour that not a lot not enough credit has been provided to the overall front office Jim Rutherford president hockey operations and Patrick Alvine general manager but I think he's right not enough credit has been provided to the innovation and the representation and the diverse perspectives that the way Jim Rutherford put his team together has delivered for the Vancouver Canucks. And we're talking Cameron Granado and Emily Castonguay, assistant general managers. And these are far from token appointments to meet any quota. These are high-performance women, which you have to give Jim Rutherford a lot of credit. He knew what he wanted, and he made really good calls. Rachel Dory is another part of that. She was brought into the mix. She's no longer there. And of course, there's there's reasons why there's a disconnect there. And there might have been disconnect even with one of the other two that we're talking about. But the fact of the matter is, this Canucks front office has arguably the widest perspective of any front office that the team has ever had. It's certainly 
one of the larger, if not largest, front offices. But having that kind of decentralization where you've got a president of hockey operations overseeing the general management of the franchise with a GM and and at one point three AGMs, now two female assistant general managers, I think there needs to be credit given there. I also think that Rick Tockett is getting a lot of talk from throughout the National Hockey League as to the structure that he's brought to the Vancouver Canucks. And John Festinger is with us in studio. Aziz Rajwani on the line. We're talking a little bit more Canucks, and we'll close out our Roberto Luongo uh, discussion in the next segment with the Sport Market Pitch presented by Chambers Plan Employee Benefits. John, I know that there's markers and concerns that you first expressed when when Rick Tockett came on board and was appointed head coach, but he deserves a big chunk of the credit, would you not think? Uh, He really does. Um, There's no question. I'm not totally comfortable about everything about him. You know, I may have questions about this or that, Um, but clearly... Um, he's got a line of communication with his players. They understand, he, he understands them and he understands what it takes for them to buy into his system. And they have done that. Now, great coaches, um, don't just have one great season. They have five great seasons. Uh, they have 10 great seasons. So let's see what the future of Rick Tockett looks like. But for now, there is no question uh, that that he has done an exceptionally good job. The other people we need to talk about, because this is the business of sport, is how happy are the sales team at the Vancouver Canucks because they must be meeting every target, exceeding every target, hugely. Sponsorship, ticket sales, This, these are happy times and they've had lean times and you know their performance, I'm sure, is just unparalleled in Canucks history. Uh, Aziz Rajwani, uh, you, you've held season tickets. You're a, a longtime supporter of the Vancouver Canucks. You've been there through some of the highest moments and th- through some of the lowest uh, moments. How palpable is it for you uh, to to sort of see, hear, and feel people talking about the Canucks again in a way that they haven't for the better part of a decade? Well, it feels great, to be honest with you, Tom. But let me just add something to what... To what um John was saying, everything you're saying is absolutely accurate, so I don't want to repeat any of that. But the credit also has to go to Francesco Aquilini. And what I mean by that is this. You look at the Leafs, they built up a very heavy administrative, you know, hockey-related, but administrative bureau of people. But Jim Rutherford came that and did that here. So Francesco has spent, you know, Francesco and Jim Benning, when Trevor Linden, amicable departure, whatever you want to call it, People said, well, he doesn't want to spend money on a president of hockey operations, blah, 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 blah. But since Rutherford's come out, he's expanded that and he supported that. And you have to give Francesco Aquilini or the Aquilini family, AIG, whatever you want to call it, credit for that because they've supported. They've always spent up to the cap for years and years and years and years. You can never call the Vancouver Canucks cheap when it comes to anything like that. And he supported the growth of that department administratively, hockey-related though, not business operations. And, you know, he supported that. It takes a lot of money to get all these people, all competent people, 
to do these things, and and he's backed it, and I think that that should not be overlooked. Aziz, you're you're a thousand percent right on that, and give credit where credit's due. At the end of the day, good owners hire the best available people, provide the resources needed to put the best possible product on the ice in this case, and you cannot deny that the Vancouver Canucks have gone from, admittedly, a lean approach and a stingy approach to hockey operations and maybe even business operations to providing, you know, high paid resources, investing in high paid talent to manage the hockey operations side of the organization, both in terms of numbers and caliber and credentials. And you're right, Aziz, that buck stops with ownership. They could have made a lot of mistakes in and around the whole Trevor Linden, uh, Jim Benning era, era and that transition transitioning so imperfectly and so controversially in in that in in one of the favorite sons in franchise history being disconnected from the organization the way he was. But this front office, you cannot deny that the Aquilinis are putting the bucks where they need to go to provide the best possible talent identification, the best possible recruitment, and the best possible player development. And it all comes on that side. We've got a lot of storytelling going on in the special edition of The Sport Market. John Festinger, Tino Farah here in studio. Uh, Aziz Rajwani on the bat phone uh, joining us here. We're going to talk a little bit more about Roberto Luongo, but before we get there, Marcus Nasland was at the uh, Jersey retirement of the Sedin Twins. That was the last time in Vancouver before the pandemic. He's coming back December 30th to do something that he loves doing, connecting with Canucks fans. He did a lot of that in his uh, uh, eight plus years with the franchise, uh, sorry, eight years as, as, as captain. And you basically have to regard him as one of the real class acts in Canucks history. His jersey is retired. He had a chance to appear on Pastime Radio, the collectible show earlier today, where he talked and gave his impressions on this edition of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, it, it's definitely been real cool to see how quick of a turnaround it seemed like they've made. Um, and you got to give credit to the coaching staff too, which uh, seemed to, to made a, a big difference. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited for for the for the city uh, and obviously especially for the players to to be in a position where they're in in the playoffs hopefully again and, and having a chance being a legitimate contender too uh, doesn't happen every year and, and these guys that have been around now for a few years in Vancouver know that too so um, it, it's definitely exciting and, and I'm really looking forward to the spring and see how far they can take it that's former Vancouver Canuck captain Marcus Nasland. Uh, great career. That 2003 season, one of the best individual performances in Canucks history. It was special. He deserves all the accolades. Uh, uh, Runner-up for the Ross, uh, the Hart, in the Rocket Richard uh, conversation, winning uh, Cyclone Taylor and, and, and McLean uh, honors 
for all of his on-ice contributions, but he also did a heck of a lot off the ice as well. Again, marketing your calendars, December 30th, Pastime Sports and Games, Langley location, autograph signing session with Marcus Nasland. You can get all the details at pastimesports.ca. We'll throw our pitch. It's the Sport Business Proposal of the Week presented by Chambers Plan Employee Benefits. That's coming your way next on the special edition of The Sport Market. Now more of The Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Kopitar knocked down a pass, takes a shot, changeup just missed. Simmons after the puck. Smith shoots. Great save Jim Houston said those three words so many times over the course of Roberto Luongo's eight years with the Vancouver Canucks. Great save, Luongo. And who could forget Tom Larshide? Bingo, bango, bongo, Luongo. And Tommy Larshide in the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Which leads me to sort of just put another thread out there in terms of all these high-profile Canucks that we've been talking about this evening, including those who've, the six who've had their jerseys retired at Rogers Arena in the rafters and the now eight who are enshrined in the Ring of Honor at Rogers Arena. And of course, both recognitions are very special in franchise history. They're big talking points. And we've simply had the debate that where does Luongo better fit, given his credentials? Is it Ring of Honor or is it in the rafters? And certainly, from the point of view of the sport market and our panel here tonight, Roberto Luongo could have been just as comfortable, if not more comfortable, with the full jersey retirement. We'll get into that in just a couple of moments on the sport market pitch presented by Chambers Plan Employee Benefits. But out of those who've had their jerseys retired... There's four who are in the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Stan Smeal, of course, of that hardworking, gutsy 1982 team with Roger Nielsen behind the bench. Trevor Linden, one of the iconic leaders in franchise history, largely on the strength of that 1994 run where he was all guts and steel. And then, of course, the exquisite Sedines, Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Twins that will maybe never even, never ever see the likes of. They're all in the BC Sports Hall of Fame as well. Among those in the Ring of Honor who are BC Sports Hall of Famers, Kirk McLean, Orlin Curtinback, and Pat Quinn. And that threesome is a pretty special threesome in franchise history as well. Kirk McLean as an example. They don't come wired much better and more community committed than Kirk McLean. And all these years later, and he is in the Ring of Honor, all these years later, he is arguably one of the busiest Canucks ambassadors in the marketplace. Arlen Kurtenbach, the very first captain in franchise history to to go back to the leadership point that John Festinger made earlier. It's time to throw this pitch. Here's the sport market pitch. You're up. Tom Mayonex Sports Business Proposals of the Week. We've been talking about the missed opportunity, the lost opportunity of not 
going to the full jersey retirement. Nothing's going to change on that, at least immediately. So it's just great debate, great discussion for all of you to think about. My pitch is related to making the most of the storytelling. Whether you retire jerseys or you celebrate individuals in the ring of honor, you're helping to solidify and, and, and to shown and enhance the stories that make up the overall story of being the Vancouver Canucks. And in our debate on Roberto Luongo, the importance of that storytelling and, and connecting the franchise to its truly greatest moments in history is so important. But my pitch to the ownership and management of Canucks Sports and Entertainment is to tighten up the corporate identity of the Canucks. And that's decide what logo is going to be your primary. Technically, it is the Orca Whale. But as Roberto Luongo himself said, there is still an active movement in the marketplace to free the skate. But corporate identity is more than logo. And, and, and I should say brand is more than logo. Brand is everything that stands behind that logo. But make it clear as to who and what you are first, and then everything else flows from that. Now, that doesn't mean that the Canucks don't have a good brand. They have a good brand. But I argue their brand could be even better if they were tighter with their corporate identity. And they made a decision that truly, where were they going to build their storytelling around? Is it around the orca whale? Is it around the skate? Is it around the stick and rink? Is it around Johnny Canuck? You've seen a lot less discussion about Johnny Canuck given the rise of the Abbotsford Canucks. But, and I'll just quickly sidebar, that that's where the change should have been made back in 1997, 1998. That's when Johnny Canuck should have been adopted as opposed to the forced corporate identity of Orca Bay being transposed into the corporate identity of the Vancouver Canucks. So the pitch is important because, again, the Canucks have good storytelling, but they could have great storytelling if they really fully integrated everything in their corporate identity. And right now, you see how much emphasis they're putting on the black uniforms and the black skate and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of fans love it. But it's diluting the brand and the storytelling around the Vancouver Canucks. And they could tighten up the brand and still keep the Orca as a primary mark and the stick and rink or the black skate as a secondary mark. But I find they're really sort of wandering a little bit in terms of what they should be, and what they want to be. That's the Sport Market Pitch presented by Chambers Plan Employee Benefits, Canada's leading employee benefits provider. Not just health, not just dental, not just medical, but an entire toolkit to give your employees what they deserve to protect your employees, protect your teams. You can find out all the details at chamberplan.ca. It is 
the Chambers, it is Chambers Plan employee benefits. Presenters of the sport market pitch, our sport business proposal of the week. Uh, John Festinger, 30 seconds in terms of where you think the Canucks should go with their corporate identity, and am I barking up the wrong tree? No, you're barking up the right tree. It's it's way too untidy right now. It's a restaurant with too many menus on the item, too easy for it to to become just you know a bunch of peripheral choices. For me, I would bail on the whale. Um, and then you have to make a really serious decision, which I'm not going to comment on today, between stick and rink, which I think needs to be modified to get the Nike swoosh out of it, um, and, uh, and, and, black skate. and the black skate. I think those are two choices. One has to be primary and the other has to be secondary. Uh, Aziz, just a few seconds. Let me get this quick. So is he criticizing uh, the Aquilines acquisition of Top Table Group, Aroxy, Barroso, El Caminero here in Whistler, et cetera? I mean, they got too many menus? But anyway, <laughs> just kidding. They got some great That's not what there. he was doing, Aziz. That's not what he was doing. Yeah. But go for it, big guy. Go for but it. But I agree. I agree with you all heartily that if you want to tell a story, you need a consistent theme. And to me, I don't think I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And I said it this morning while talking to a friend is that they're not going to change the Orca Bay logo because the Orca Bay logo blends very well with, with, the, with their indigenous partnerships in real estate. And I seriously doubt that they're going to change that as a result. But I agree with you that you need that consistency in the brand to tell that story over and over again. Yeah, and I think the bottom line, guys, is that once you have your core pillars of that corporate identity and how you're going to define the franchise, then everything flows from that. And and not a lot of us think about this, but remember, it's not just a logo, it's not just a name, but it helps set up the story. It affects your game presentation. It affects your mascot. It affects what you do in the community and, and, and what you do and how you do it. All those things are inextricably connected. More Canucks talk, more sport business talk here on this special edition of the Sport Market next. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. Baseball free agency, more like no Tawny Watch. Am I right, people? Imagine being that guy at Toronto's Pearson Airport holding the chauffeur sign up waiting for Otani. He's still there, kicked out to the curb. He looks like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. A good first run for the NBA's in-season tournament. they got to fix the courts, though. The finals in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, looks like bad 90s ground. Actually, it most resembled the cover of Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Californication. No wonder LA won. And the Buffalo Bills with a huge, much-needed win in Kansas City. I guess Sean McDermott's weird motivational speeches are working. Coming up next, Pearl Harbor with Josh Allen of the Japanese Air Force. Surprised to see Patrick Mahomes going full complainer on officiating. In most Chiefs games, the refs act as if they promised a Taylor Swift autograph afterwards. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonecht. The, the following season in the, in the playoffs, we were playing Chicago in the first round, and we know we know how that story goes. But in, in Game Seven overtime, and I'm sure you guys have all seen the video, but when Burr scores the goal, there was a mosh pit in the corner here. I skated so fast from the net to that 
and it was just pure euphoria. I, that was the most excited I've ever been after any game in my whole career. Roberto Luongo talking about his memories with the Vancouver Canucks and one of the most compelling things that he said was that the greatest moments in his career have all come, he used the word all come, on that ice, the Rogers Arena ice. Eight years, Hockey Hall of Fame, the 2011 Stanley Cup final run, and Vancouver 2010. Sets the stage, and we've been talking about it throughout the course of this special edition of the Sport Market, and we'll continue to talk about it uh, time in, time out. We'll spend time continuing to rate and debate the corporate identity of the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. But we're joined by Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com to go around the horn with us, beginning with Roberto Luongo and the Vancouver Canucks. And I'll go right to it, uh, Steve. Roberto Luongo, your impression of the way he performed on the ice at the blue line, talking about his years with Vancouver. I thought it was amazing. I, I think to to talk in front of people is one thing. To talk in front of 17,000 people or whatever was in the building that night I, and to do it, that heartfelt and to do it without any sort of notes, I, I thought he handled it as perfectly as you probably could handle it. I thought I would give him an A+. Plus. Uh, I would give him an A-plus as well. What do you give Canucks Sports and Entertainment in terms of letter grades for the slot that they've put Roberto in? Uh, Either, you know, in those slots, potential slots would be full jersey retirement in the rafters or ring of honor recognition. Uh, What's your letter grade in terms of where he winds up in Canucks history, at least at this stage of the game? Oh, I think I, I think it, it's pretty easy that they should have retired the jersey. He's one of the one of the best goalies of his generation, if not one of the best goalies in history. Uh, a guy synonymous with the hockey club. I, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Steps guy, big McLean guy, big Kurt, big Curtinback guy. But this is a guy that maybe meant this is a guy that, that meant something different to the hockey club and, and to to the history of the team. And I, 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 I mean, I, I'm not as I, I don't think it was a disaster like some people seem to think. I just think it was a misstep, and, and I, I, I think it's something that um, it, I, I think it's something in, in, in time they're going to wish they had back. You know, the Canucks do this kind of community and, and, and recognition work. They do it very, very well, and make no mistake, to your point, uh, Ring of Honor recognition is comprehensive recognition. It's pretty special to be among the select few players who either are in the ring of honor or have their full jersey uh, retirement in in place. But I agree with you. I think you just said it. It's a missed opportunity for the franchise. And I come at this all in terms of storytelling. And mm-hmm. to not make the most of the connection with Murdo Luongo is not doing your brand service, in my view, not doing your franchise service. And and, and as Thomas Drantz uh, was, was telling me the other day, the thing that stands out for him is the franchise's primary connection with the greatest Olympic moment in history is Roberto Luongo. And that 2010 uh, gold medal 
is something that all British Columbians, all Canadians are very proud of. And you've got an opportunity to bring that. I mean, it's obviously part of the story, but to really bring it in centrally into the story, you need to do the full Jersey retirement to do it. Uh, yeah, I just I, I think he's a guy that people really connected with. I think he's a guy that played. I, I don't know if we're going to see goalies play 60-plus games anymore and, and, and play them as well as, as he played them. And I, I think that's a, his numbers and, and, and his value to this franchise will stand up. And, and um, I just, again, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I've seen people be very angry about it. I'm not very angry about it. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I just, I, I think it was a chance for them to really do something. I, I think it, I just, you know, we're talking business. I Think about the jerseys you could sell. You know the the Luongo with the C on it. I I think you could probably do okay with that for a few weeks here. But um, yeah, that's their choice, and and they obviously had their reasons. We're talking to the new vice president merchandising for Canuck Sports and Entertainment, <laughs> Steve Ewan of the Province and the Province dot com. Uh, Eric Whitehead, inspired service winner, uh, uh, awarded by the DC Sports Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, Steve, one last uh, Canucks uh, comment uh, before we go around the rest of our horn, so to speak. Uh, expectations are such an interesting thing, aren't they? Uh, you look at the expectations for the Canucks going on the road into the Minnesota Wild territory uh, a year ago, even you know, three months ago before the season began and you're not necessarily expecting or clamoring for a win, but it sure seems that the fan base is at the stage where they think the Canucks can win or should win every game. It's not realistic, but it's great in terms of the fandom and its connection with the team in terms of, you know, being meaningful every, every game night, every game day they have. Uh, They, they, they have people buying in. You know, people are starting to get excited again. I, th- I think that's a really cool thing. I think it's, you know, for, for hockey in the city, and I, I think just the way they play, and, and you can see this isn't a fluke. This is, you know, they, they've had their systems, and, and, and they check, and, and they look like a team that that's, yeah, plays with purpose and intent. I, 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 I think the first half has been amazing. Let's shift gears from the Canucks to the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League. Steve, we've talked about this over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Matt Baker and company with the Lions do one of the best jobs in the entire CFL when it comes to social media, behind-the-scenes media, digital media. And we saw it again uh, this week. They weren't the only team. The Argos, uh, I I believe, did it as well. But in terms of the schedule reveal, uh, it's I don't know if you've seen the video where you've got people on the street you know, coming up with the uh, the Calgary Cougars and uh, you know the Calgary Tigers. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 that's the kind of stuff that really connects, especially to young fans. And it's my view that uh, second to none is the job that the BC Lions are doing in this department. And over time, I think it'll 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 continue to pay off. Oh, I, 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 I think their social media is as good as it gets. I think I, I think their social media across all the major sports I think has to be you know I, I would I would put them up there and I would you know that would if you hadn't been putting money on you know, someone to take to the dance as far as sports teams and social media I'm taking the lines I think they've been great um, I'm not, not as huge a fan of this last one I just I don't 
I don't feel good about people making fun of the CFL. And maybe that's the old man in me, you know, standing on the grass yelling at clouds. But, you know, see, you know, people not people not knowing the names of your team, like teams in your league, I, I think kind of I didn't feel great about. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, what I would what I would say is that leagues that sometimes you know can take a shot or two or or you know take a bit of a a, a hit and still smile, those are the real mature leagues yeah. moving forward and i think from that perspective it's a sign of maturity of the of the cfl you know i i'm i'm convinced that the vast majority of those people on the street aren't even cfl fans um oh no yeah not at all you know, we're, we're talking about I mean, maybe not even sports fans it, it would be interesting to do uh behind the scenes on that to see how many people they they actually went through because i i bet i i bet there's a lot a lot of people that you know weren't weren't good for what their plan was you know knew all the names and knew all the teams so yeah i i just yeah i just i'm a little a nitpicky thing on my part i didn't i didn't uh I, I didn't like it as much as so as most of the stuff that they do. Yeah, no, and 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 I and I hear you, but I will tell you, I had a couple of laugh out loud moments. You know, yes. seeing that video, I think it was what the the Edmonton reindeer or something like that. Anyway, yes. in, instead of instead, ones, instead yeah. of the elks, and so I just think having fun is so important to connecting to eighteen to thirty four moving forward, and certainly BC Lions had with that. That's a good point too. Yeah, Vancouver Whitecaps. FC, we saw the MLS Cup. Columbus Crew winds up winning. LAFC is denied a two-peat. Uh, what do this year's playoffs mean for next year's Vancouver Whitecaps? I, I just, I, I think they need to get back into the, into the consciousness. I, I think they, I, I think they'd be well off to to come up with something like the Lions are doing and 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 really ramp up their social media and get. And you know, and get people excited again. I think, I, I think looking at their team, I, I think they they have to make progress. And I, I think that, as, you know, as a fan, I, I think you want to see them go out and and make some obvious additions that are going to upgrade uh, all over the pitch. So I, I think that's something they have to take that next step. I, I particularly with the Lions taking that next step, particularly with the Grey Cup here. I think you real, you know, there's going to be real real competition for the for the entertainment dollar. We're talking to Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. You can reach him at Steve Ewan, E-W-E-N. Vancouver Canadians are still a couple of months away from even thinking about uh, training camp, but this is an important off-season. Obviously, the parent club, the Toronto Blue Jays, has been involved in some high-stakes, uh, uh, high-priced uh, uh, discussions, including um, you know being viable participants in the uh, Shohei Otani uh, sweepstakes, so to speak. Uh, what's your sense as to where the Vancouver Canadians are. Obviously, when you're defending champions, it does shape the way not only you approach the season from a baseball operations point of view, but from a marketing point of view. What can we expect for them to build on the success that they're just coming out of? I know the Blues, I, I know the Seas have great success with their Superstar Series where they bring bring in former major leaguers and other kind of celebrity types. They had, they had Bret Hart, the wrestler ones. Um, I, I, that's where you know be, be interesting to see if they can get which which former Blue Jays they can get. Uh, they go outside of that. Where you know what's their big marketing you know plans going forward? And I, I 
where are they going to go with that? I, I'm, I'm still interested to see how the stadium takes shape. They, they've got some facility upgrades to do, so there's 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 lots going on over there. Steve, let's shift from the Vancouver Canadians. We've covered off the Whitecaps, the Lions, uh, the the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, obviously, uh, tonight is a game night for the Vancouver Giants. Uh, they are at a really interesting part of the schedule, getting ready for the holidays. Uh, what do you see uh, the next 30 days on the Lions beat uh, uh, being focused on? Trade deadline's coming up. I think they they have to decide who they are, and they have to decide whether uh, they, they're going to add or, or they're going to be sellers and, and try and uh, move out some of their older guys and, and, and bring in some draft picks and some prospects. I think that's that's where that the the Western Conference is super interesting to me. And in that I think Prince George and Portland and Everett are a step ahead of everyone else. But maybe Winachi as well. Um, I think after that, it, everything's up for grabs. So do you do you move out one of your you know older guys for prospects to one of those you know up Prince George, or do you try and try and get into that? four, five, six playoff spot and try and, you know, maybe get two rounds of playoffs and, and you know, see what that does for both your fan base and 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 your uh, bottom line. You know, it's it's, it's interesting. They, they do seem to be sort of in that betwixt and between stage, right? I mean, they're not like, you know, uh, yeah. uh, 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 clearly contenders, but they're also not all, also Rans. Uh, I think this next month will go a long way. Uh, and, and the trade deadline is coming up when? January 10th. January 10th. So it's still a couple of weeks for them to sort of get those ducks in order. Uh, last round of uh, Around the Horn with Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com, the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, what is the next most important thing for Kurt Malofsky to accomplish as the new head coach and GM of the uh, uh, the Vancouver Warriors? What, what are you seeing as the thing that would make a lot of lacrosse fans say, hey, yeah, we're absolutely on the right track? I mean, having Malofsky is a big uh, step yes. towards being on the right track, but what has to happen next that hasn't happened yet? They've got a big game tonight with the Georgia Swarm uh, at Rogers Arena. Uh, they they need a strong showing. This is a very good Georgia team with Lyle, Lyle Thompson, who was part of that Six Nations team that, that won the Man Cup here in September uh, against New Westminster. <laughs> I, I, I think we're not into must-win territory. I mean, it's early in the year, granted, a win would do wonders for them. A win would would really show that all this hype about Kurt and, and the new players is is legit. I, I think that would that would win. That would create some more fan, and you know, would would add your fans. Would create some more conversation about your program and where things are at with you. Steve, we always appreciate having you on the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I know you've got a lot of stuff uh, uh, on the go. Today, tra- just just if anyone's out there, tra- I'm at Kingsway in 12th. Traffic not great on the way down to Rogers Arena, so be careful, people. That is the City News 1130 uh, traffic See, report. I'm, I'm hitting, featuring I am, Steve. I'm diversifying Ewan. my whole my whole persona. I'm I'm doing merchandise. I'm doing traffic reports. You know, you you started the interview. Uh, being one of the the real core guys at the province and the province.com and the Vancouver Sun and VancouverSun.com. Yes. You end the interview as VP merchandising for Connect Sports and Entertainment yes. and as the new 
City News 1130. Traffic reporter. Traffic reporter. <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my 2013 Hyundai. <laughs> you have a great one. You take care. There you go. You got branded, don't you, Tom? You know that. Okay. You got to brand it. Drive safe, hands-free. Uh, absolutely. He is Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. We're going to have some quick closing bell thoughts next, right here on this special edition of the Sport Market on Sports and 650 Vancouver. You're listening to The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I mean, it's poetic. It's uh, something in the air, you know. Um, just a really cool evening. He's such a, a first-class guy. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not super close with him, but every encounter I've had, he's treating me with respect. And that's always really cool coming from someone that you, you watch growing up. So, um, I mean, uh, obviously, he's Thatcher Demko, current starting goaltender of the Vancouver Canucks, talking about former star goaltender Roberto Luongo. And of course, it was just poetic that Roberto Luongo night in which he's enshrined in the Ring of Honor, the Canucks Ring of Honor at Rogers Arena, is a shutout night for Thatcher Demko and the Vancouver Canucks, a 4 nothing over the Florida Panthers. Pretty special stuff indeed. Not so much today on the road, but the Canucks aren't going to win every game. Uh, We can't expect them to win every game, although a lot of us uh, get into that groove, and that's a real compliment to how Rick Tockett has this team playing at this juncture of the season. 2-1 to loss in OT on the road. They come away with a single point. And again, if you're not going to win the games, at least salvaging that road point will go a long way to the Canucks meeting their goals. Kevin Bieksa, monologue, one of those paying tribute earlier this week to Roberto Luongo. Roberto, you were already one of the best goaltenders in the world when you joined the Canucks. Who could have imagined what a giant presence on the team, in the community, you would become? We witnessed early how courageous and tough you were when you took a puck in the throat in practice. You spent the night in intensive care and upon being discharged, came to the rink and led us to a shutout victory in your hometown of Montreal. It's a shutout. The has his 30th of his career in his hometown. It was the only game I can remember that you didn't yell at the D to get out of the way. Safe to say we enjoyed that game as much as you. Kevin Bieksa, he's another good fit for the Ring of Honor sometime in the years to come as the Vancouver Canucks continue to recognize their history. If you enjoy rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of sport business as much as we do, you can follow us on X at the Sport Market as T-H-E Sport Market. You can download our podcast or subscribe to our podcast at sportsnet.ca slash 650. We're going to close out this special edition of the show with a lighter side take on the business of sport. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson.
Play the Monday night in New York for QB Tommy DeVito, game-winning drive against the Packers. In the late in the fourth quarter of that game, despite years of us being told it was impossible, the ground caused a fumble. It might have been Jimmy Hoffa rolling over. New York, New York, DeVito and Zach Wilson were the NFC and AFC players of the week. What would have been the odds on that a month ago? Somewhere between off the books and infinity. Embarrassing Sunday night football game fashion-wise. Only the Eagles' helmet salvaged any dignity on the evening. The Cowboys at home themselves. White flags after November 1st are a big no-no. Unless you, you know, live in Miami or San Diego. The Chargers should move back to San Diego, but they wouldn't be allowed in. They deployed Border Patrol to the north. The OC is now a DMZ. And Sao Paulo, Brazil will host the NFL regular season game next season. Cardinals and Panthers monokinis are already flying off the shelves. You've been listening to the Rolfson Report. The comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. A special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.